Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it teaches to us about who we are. And Father, I pray now for your words and not mine. Uh, Lord, I pray for all ears here to be open. And Lord, even if we go away with 20 different things, as long as they're from you, that's okay. Yeah, so we just pray your presence here. Uh, we feel you already here this morning in our songs. And we just pray that you would continue through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a church uh, that did communion every Sunday, like this one, and I realized uh, after a little bit that I had memorized a big chunk of scripture without ever knowing it was scripture. A guy would get up, and he seemed like he got every other week, and he had the communion meditation, and he would say that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body broken for you, take and eat in remembrance of me. And then he said, took the cup, and he passed it, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, poured out for for you, for the remission of sins, all right? If it's different up there, it's because they've updated the Bible since then. Uh, but it, no. but every week, and I would mouth along with them and say, "This I know this. I, I know exactly what he's saying. And then I found out, well, that's actually in the Bible. And then I kept reading because, because Paul keeps talking about what we need to do when we come to this table. And he says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and of the blood of the Lord. And I was like, we just went from happy to really scary, really, really fast. What, what happened? And then we see ex- everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink in judgment on themselves. And when I got to that point, I was, you know, I've been taking communion for you know, a while now, this I don't know that every single time that I've come here that I've examined myself and I'm making sure that I'm doing things. And so I said, what does this mean? And so I just said, you know, examining ourselves. And when I look in light of the cross and in light of this, I, I just have to mean that it has to mean that I, every time I come here, I go to God and say, OK, let's go through the list of the things I messed up this week. Right? I, I did this to my brother. I disobeyed my parents. I said this word that I know I shouldn't say. I, I lied. I gossiped. I did this. I did that. And now I'm here and I realize how bad I am and how good you are. And that's it. And I thought this is what we're supposed to do. And there's part of that that probably goes into it. But I think what Paul is trying to get at is, is that when we come here and we examine ourselves, we need to ask the question, who are we? We need to ask the question, who are we? What, what have we been called to do? And if there's ever a point in human history in which we should be more able to answer the question, who are we? It's in 2015, because never in the course of human history have everything been so much about ourselves, right? There's, we, we have so many things that are tailored just for us, and we want to look about how this tells us who we are. In August 2013, the word selfie was added to Webster's Dictionary as a legitimate word, all right? Uh, most of you know who that is, what that is. For everyone else, it's what your teenager's doing at the dinner table. It's, they sit there, and they take a picture of themselves, and what it is, it, it is a depiction to the world of who we want them to see. When it boils down to it, right? The things that are around us, the people who are with us, the face that we are making, everything goes into this is who I want you to see. I want you to see that I'm happy. I want, to see, I want you to see that I'm sad. I want you to see that I'm in love. I want to see you see that I'm heartbroken. I want you to see me eat cake. Whatever it is, we are giving to the world, this is what I want you to see. But the problem with that, and in a a time in which we look at ourselves and ask the question, who are we, 
is we fall into this habit of believing that it really is those things and those pictures that make us who we are. That the people around us, that the scenery around us, that the attitude that we have, this is who we are. And the problem with that is we are judging who we are based upon the things of this world. We've tricked ourselves into believing that our surroundings, our feelings, our influence, and anything else in our selfies, whether it's an actual picture or a mental picture, tells us who we are. And it couldn't be farther from the truth because God is the one who tells us who we are. God tells us who we are. He wrote an entire book to tell us who we are. So how do we find out? Number one, we find out through Scripture. Very beginning, Scripture, Genesis 1. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Man and female, He created them. God created us. We are the image of God. Imagine for a moment that I had an apple. And I said, let's come up with how we're going to judge this apple. How would we do that? We would look at it and see if it's bruised and if it's beat up, if the color looks right. We all wouldn't taste it, but somebody would. And we would say, this tastes pretty good. This is the criteria in which we are going to judge this apple. And then we say, okay, using that same criteria, since we're judging the apple, let us now judge the brand new Corvette. We would look at it, and there might be some similarities, like color and color, but there's so many more things. Like, we're not judging how fast this apple can go, because it can't. We are judging how fast this Corvette can go. We're not judging how fast this apple can break, but if we use the same criteria to judge the apple as we do to judge the Corvette, we wouldn't do that. And yet, we sit in this world and judge ourselves based upon this world when we are created by something bigger. We live our lives because God created us. We are created in His image, and we have these things that God has called us to, and yet we are so focused on the selfie culture that we allow everything else to define us. God also tells us, or we also see what God says about us in 1 John. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. We are not only created in the image of God, we are God's children. We have been adopted into His family. We operate under His principles and yet what do we do? We look for the truth of our existence everywhere else. Look at that next sentence. The reason that the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. What's the problem with that when we look at our lives and how we try to identify ourselves? The problem with that is we ask the world who we are. And once we're known by the world, they did a study, and for the first time in, in so many years, they, they asked kids, you know, teenagers, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And for a long time, it was successful. And this past year, for the first time, it changed to famous. I want to be famous. I want to be known. And we want the world to know us. But the Bible tells us that if we are created in the image of God, and if we are children of God, then the world should be kind of confused when it looks at how we live our lives. Because when Jesus came, he lived for God. He, he did exactly what he was called to do. And the world looked at him and said, we've never heard teachings like that. He's loving people that no one else is loving. He's standing up for people that no one else is standing up for. Let's kill him. Because we can't figure him out. And the problem with us in our selfie culture and trying to identify who we are is we ask everyone else and look for everyone else's approval 
and judge on everything else instead of realizing that this is not our home, this is not our measuring stick. The world should get a little confused when it looks at us. Peter continues this thought. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, this was a really, really long time ago, youth, so get off my back. But I had stuffed animals, and, <laughs> and I loved them dearly. And I had, like, Mount Everest of stuffed animals. And, but there was one I liked, like, the teddy bear was mine, right? And if something else, like if a button popped out of this eye, we threw it away. If, you know, the teddy bear gets ripped, we're going to the ER. You know, that. It's very, very, it is my special possession. When they said we're going somewhere, that's what I grabbed. Remember, a long time ago, that's what I grabbed, and, and I, I took it with me. It is my special possession. And the Bible tells us that God who created everything, the God who created all of the beauty and the majesty of the world and the universe and things that we haven't even seen yet, says you are my special possession. You are what I care most deeply about. How does it feel for God to feel that way for us when we seek approval from everything else? When we go and judge our lives based upon what everyone else says is okay, what everyone else says what we have to do, we judge our lives based upon everything of this world we're going to look like the world when God says, you are my special possession. I created you. I died so that you could be my child, and I want you to know who you are. Scripture tells us this is who we are. It is God's manual to us. This is who I created you to be. And if we're not in the Word, or if we're looking over parts of the Word that we don't want to read, we're missing out on who God says that we are. But it's not just the scripture that God can identify us. It's also through prayer. And just to be honest, this quote I'm getting to read, I read in January, and I said I'm preaching a sermon on this. Timothy Keller says in his book, Prayer, Nothing but prayer will ever reveal you to yourself because only before God can you see and become your true self. Nothing but prayer will ever reveal you to yourself because only before God can you see and become your true self. Jeremiah 33, God says this. He says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you the great and unsearchable things that you do not know. It's as if God realized that one day we will Google everything. And he says, I, will, I have answers to the unsearchable things that you do not know. We bought a house and finally moved in this week. And the house, uh, when we went to look at it, looked awful. It had a water leak. And so it had, they had to renovate everything. And so they forgot, or chose not to, either one, uh, put things back where they were supposed to go. And so this week, we've been having to do that. Um, and, and I invited Stephen, uh, Stephen Day, Noah Urban, over to the house and said, we're going to mount this TV, all right? Because I had seen how good my family is at fixing things and building things. Like, my grandfather, if you gave him five things, he could make it fly. I don't know how, but he could make it fly. And my dad, he, he spent, uh, I grew up with him going to habitat builds, and he, and he built all of these great things. He was always the one that fixes it up. My father-in-law is somebody that comes in and fixes things up. I was like, oh, I can do this. And so we get 
up, and, and the TV lives up, and it looks awesome. But the day that we move, we're going to have a problem because it looks like it was in a shootout behind it because there's like 18 holes that I drilled, thinking it was straight and that this would work, and missing a stud like by seven feet. And you know, it looks just terrible. Like they're gonna, whoever's gonna buy our house is gonna walk in. And it's like, is this the Bronx? What in the world is on your wall? You know, it, it looks awful. I, I tried to put a toilet paper holder, a toilet paper holder, on yesterday, and it looks like this, and it's just terrible. And so my dad's going to come over after the ser- service today. We're going to have a nice lasagna meal, and then he's going to have to fix everything I screwed up this week. It, it's going to be awful. Sorry, Dad, but just, just let us you know. Um, I'm terrible at it, and I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen because I've heard it so many times in my life, and it's not a condescending thing. It's if you just wait it for me, we could do it together. I could tell you how to do this. And coming from my father is the same way that God tells us that. We go and try to do everything ourselves and figure everything out ourselves. We look at A, B, C, and D, and the world says that is the correct answer. And God says, I know something more. It's as if God has this door with our name on it. And he says, if you ask me to open this door, I will tell you everything about yourselves. But we're so enamored about everything else. In Jeremiah, he says, call to me and I will answer you. He says, I will give you these unsearchable things. You have no idea what's behind this door, but it's you. It's the same thing Jesus says, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. God desperately wants to tell us who we are because he created us to know. And yet in the selfie culture, whatever's in that picture is who we are. That is, who defi- that is what defines us. That is the picture that we give to the world. You know, there's a little bit of trouble when we base everything on what we see and what we look like and what we feel is right. We become, you know, I try to think of an analogy, and I, I think I got a good one. When we do that, we, uh, we become like this guy. Right? Everybody's seen Toy Story. What does he do? The first three quarters of the first movie, this guy thinks he's a space ranger. This guy looks at himself. He looks at his surroundings. He looks that he can do this, and no one else can. I had to, like, negotiate for 20 minutes for Patterson to let me take this this morning. Um, (laughs) He's going to have a car out of this deal before it's all over with. Um, This is who we, we are. We look at ourselves and say, this looks right. We say, this feels right. We look at the world and says, this makes sense, and therefore this is who we are. Buzz finds out he's a toy because he finds out he's a created being. And so many of us are so scared to ask God who we are because we're so happy with the lie that we've made. We're so comfortable that this is finally who we are, and we're afraid that when we ask God truthfully who we are, He's going to show us that we're something different. And what we picture is the time that Buzz jumps off and falls and breaks his arm off. And we say, that, see, that's what happens when you find out who you are. And we ignore the fact that there's two and a quarter movies left where he lives up to what he is. And he's happy. And he's fulfilled. Because he finds out that he was a created thing and found out what he was created for. We have that opportunity. <laughs> in scripture, in prayer, to ask God, show me who I really am. 
Imagine for a second that you had a room in your house. And in your house, you, you set a chair, step back in the corner, and for some reason, it, it just never got used. It, it just sat there. You would come in, you'd sit on the sofa. When you have people over, they'd sit everywhere else. And let's say for a moment that in one of those, those meetings or having people over, the chair has this stream of consciousness, and it looks around, and it sees that people are sitting on these other things. And he looks around, and he sees a picture frame, or it sees uh, something, uh, a, another decoration, and it sees that those things aren't being used. These things are chairs. People are sitting on them. I'm, I'm just sitting here in the corner and not being used. Therefore, I must be a decoration. And then in the middle of moving stuff around, you take four or five books, and you set it there on that chair. And if you're like me, you'll get back to it like in seven years. And, and you go somewhere else, and somewhere in those seven years, that chair has another stream of consciousness, and it wakes up and says, oh, there's something I'm being used. There's books on me, and it looks across the room, and it sees a bookcase, and it says, you know what, that's holding books. I'm holding, therefore, I have to be a bookcase, Right? See, a chair cannot ask why it's made. A chair cannot ask what its purpose is. It is a chair, but it doesn't know it if all it does is look around at everything else. And we will not know who God created us to be if we look at earthly things to define us. And the best news is this. Is that even though we may be happy now, even though we may be content now, we will never be fulfilled unless we live up to what God's called us to do. Living up to what God has made us to be not only brings joy to God, God's heart, but it allows us to know who we are. Abram and Sarah believed that they were infertile, that the generation... They were the last generation of their family and that nothing was going to happen afterwards until God shows up and God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Moses believed he was a murderer. Moses believed that he was exiled from his birth family and the family that brought him up and he was never going back and doing anything until God shows up and says, you are my chosen instrument to take these people out of Egypt. David was the youngest son of Jesse. He was out in the fields going to be a shepherd his entire life until God shows up and says, you will be my king. The disciples were living ordinary lives, doing ordinary things in ordinary ways until Jesus shows up and says, come and follow me, and they became apostles. Paul was what every Jewish mother wished their son would be. He was, the, he was rich. He had everything he ever wanted. He was the super Jew, and he loved being the super Jew. And parents would probably grab their sons and say, be like him when you get older. And that seems like a really good place to be. And he thought he was doing what was right until on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up and says, you're passionate about the wrong thing. Let me introduce myself to you. And he became the greatest evangelist of all time. You see, these people could have lived their lives with the reality that was before them until God shows up and says there's something more and they were obedient enough to follow. The question I have to ask us today is what side are we on? Are we going to keep living with what's in the selfie? Who's around us? What we look like? Or are we going to take God up on his offer to show us what we're created to be? Paul says, come and examine yourselves. And what we miss is right after that verse, he gives us how we do it. He says, by discerning the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Because the answer to who we are, we actually answer it every single week. Because we come here and we take the bread, we take the juice that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And who we are is someone who's created by God, who is God's special possession, prized possession, and someone worth dying for. You are worth dying for. God wants you so badly, he gave a part of himself to die so that we could have a relationship with him. And when we come here, it was discerned to think about the body and the blood of Jesus. It's not just what he did for the cross, but we take it as the body of Christ. This is where we join, and there's no divisions, there's no discrimination, there's no anything. This is the meal for all the body of Christ coming together. And elsewhere in Scripture, in Corinthians, Paul says, everyone in the body of Christ has a function. Everyone has a role to play. There is no part of the body that is better than any other part of the body. And to be and for us to realize this is that who we are, if we see what our role is and we do what God has called us to do, that is the best thing that we can do and we will never be more fulfilled or satisfied. Let God define who we are. And the selfie changes from something like this something like that. Because that defines who we are. Let's pray. Father, you took the time to create each and every one of us. The Bible says that you knit us together in our mother's womb. You know us better than we know ourselves, even though we think that we have ourselves figured out pretty well. You have told us in Scripture who we are. You have told us that we are your prized possession. You have told us to live for something more than this world. And it's so hard and it's so scary because we're pretty cool with everything that we know and what we think that we are. My, my prayer today, Father, is that we would pray the bold prayer that you would show us who we are. That you would show us everything that you're calling us to be. That you would say, this is what you were made for. Because, Lord, as if last week wasn't enough of a reminder at this church, you provide what you call us to. And if you call us to something... You will be with us every step of the way. Father, help us to not be Buzz Lightyear. To know that we are a created being by a creator who loves us. And then may we in turn treat everyone else that way too. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, if you have a decision to make for a long time, maybe you've defined yourself as something other than what God has called you here today, we invite you to come forward so that He can tell you through Scripture so that you can have that relationship with Him that He so desperately wants. If today you want to make this your church home where you are going to live and breathe and be in community, we invite you to come. It doesn't matter how many times we've failed. It doesn't matter how many times we've messed up. It doesn't matter if we've got things all figured out. God wants to tell us today who we are.
you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward. Let's stand and let's sing together.